0: When all of your flaws and all of my flaws are laid out
1: one by one. A wonderful part of the mess that we made, we pick ourselves under us. all of your floors. Hello, hello. And all of my flaws Welcome back to the gold standard on KCOU, the internet stream. My name is Kara Brown. It's my second week hosting this show, and I am so excited to be back. That song is Flaws by Bastille. It's absolutely amazing. I'm a massive Bastille fan. Fun fact about me right there. Um, and that song is really good. I got one of my friends to like listen to it, and she also really liked it. So I thought I'd just lead in with that for you today. Now, if you're listening for the first time or you just didn't catch what this show was about... Let me tell you, I'll tell you what it's about. Each week I'm going to go through a different sport in the Olympics and I'll just lay it out for you and I will tell you about the rules and the scoring, the history and what you need to be looking forward to for Beijing. Now, this week we're going to be talking about cross country skiing. And I didn't know really anything about cross-country skiing when I was researching for the show today. But before we really dive into some cross-country skiing, I want to start doing a figure skating segment every week on the show because figure skating, it's really my thing, especially when it comes to the Olympics. I love figure skating. It was the topic of last week's show because it is like my favorite of the Olympic sports. So I'm going to pro- I'm gonna try to start each week's show with talking a little bit about what happened in figure skating that week, but some weeks I think I'm probably gonna have to end if I have guests that have class um, like right when I end the show and they have to leave early, which I've already talked about. So look forward to that in the future. I'm hoping to get some guests up on the show. So, this week in figure skating, it was a really big week for the ISU internationally. There were two big international competitions. Um, the first one was the Autumn Classic International, which is part of the Challenger Series. Last week, we talked about the Lombardia Trophy, which was the first event in the Challenger Series. This week was the second. Um, the United States had Karen Chin competing in the women's Program or competition for the Autumn Classic. And Karen Chin last year, I think if I remember correctly, she was fourth at Worlds. Yes, I believe so. Like she barely missed the podium. She's always pretty competitive in the United States for women's figure skating. But after that, Worlds, it kind of looked like she was in her groove. Like I was ready for her to really step up internationally. And not that she. Didn't do that, but I was expecting her to kind of come out and make a mark at the Autumn Classic, and she didn't really do that. She came in fourth, and really, she had a rough short program. On her combo jump, she underrated, under rotated her triple lutz, and then she didn't get credit for um, the single toe that she tacked onto the end because you don't get credit for a single jump in a short program. So that technically she like didn't have a combo jump in her short program because that didn't get credited. So that's already not very good. That's going to take a lot of points off the table and so you just you hate to see it. And then later she had a triple loop jumping pass which she got a negative grade of execution on. And that also just was not a great jumping pass for her. So definitely had some problems with that short program. She came in fifth in the short program. Um, and then, like I said, she ended up fourth overall. So hopefully she can kind of build on that as the season goes on. I'm pretty sure she has a couple Grand Prix assignments. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't looked at the Grand Prix assignments like in total yet. So I need to definitely go back and do that. But those don't start until a little bit later. They start in October. Also at the Autumn Classic, we had Ashley King-Gribble and Timothy LeDuc competing in the Pairs competition. And they won the U.S. Championships, I can't remember what year, but like pretty recently. Because they were one of the teams that was like really supposed to help propel the U.S. into some nap- International pairs titles, um, and they placed third at the Autumn Classic, which is kind of expected for a U.S. pairs team. I mean, we don't, or the U.S. doesn't typically do great internationally when it comes to pairs. Really, kind of depends. Sometimes, just like they get a, they get a pair up there somehow. But I'm not super shocked that. The U.S. pair came in third. And honestly, like I said, it's not that bad. And then in the ice dance, there was actually a pretty interesting competition happening in the ice dance. Because in the Challenger Series, it's kind of hit or miss how tough the competition is going to be. Because you do have the Grand Prix coming up. And the biggest skaters usually aren't going to be in the Challenger Series. Except you will see some bigger names at the Nebelhorn Trophy which i th- i think that's this weekend and that one's going to be crazy like because that is the last olympic qualifying event for figure skating so that one you're going to see some bigger names and it's going to be a tougher competition but in the ice dance for the autumn classic they're, for the U.S. it was Green and Parsons, and they're not like the top tier of the U.S. Um, sorry, ice dance. They're not top tier for U.S. ice dance, but they are one of those teams that is usually up there, can compete internationally, um, given the right like program, and they ended up coming in third. They scored. points combined their short and free program. They took third in both the short and the free program. And they came behind Piper Gilles and Paul Poirier. They're Canadian. They have French names. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. And we're just going to have to deal with that. Um, Gilles and Poirier, they took... First, they scored 208.97. And then from Spain, we had Smart and Diaz, who's like the big ice dance couple for Spain. They took second. They scored 191.31. Definitely some higher scores there. But then transitioning to the U.S. International Figure Skating Classic, we have Hubble and Donahue, who are like one of the main ice dance couples for the United States. And they took first in their competition, which was not surprising to me whatsoever. And comparing their score to the first place score at the Autumn Classic, Hubble and Donahue would not have won that competition. Hubble and Donahue had 207.3 points, which is just over one point less than Gila's, Gila's, I'm sorry. And Boyer score, scored in their competition at the Autumn Classic. So Hubble and Donahue are going to have some some troubles when it comes to international competition. They're not going to be able to just walk in and dance all over everybody and just easily get first place. So that's definitely very interesting to me, that score and how close it is. That's such a close margin. But then also just looking at the two competitions and comparing the scores and being like, oh, Hubble and Donahue would not have won that competition. Then also at the U.S. International Figure Skating Classic in the women's competition, we had Alexandra Trusova, who is one of the crazy, amazing Russian skaters. She's like, I think 16 now, maybe 17, very young and she attempts quads like nobody else she will go out and attempt so many quads she can do them but she has a lot of trouble landing them in competition which when it comes to the Russian skaters if you put her up against some of her countrymen they can either like do one quad and land it and then do the rest of their program perfectly or they have really good skating skills but that will beat Trusova when she is falling on multiple jumping passes and losing so much in the grade of execution and also the mandatory negative one-point deduction. At the U.S. Figure Skating Classic, she attempted five quads during her free, I believe. And during that, she only landed one quad, like, well. She under-rotated two and then... She just fell on the other two. And as someone who likes to watch figure skating, I would much rather someone go out and just not attempt the quads. Just do triple jumps. It's going to make your program flow so much better. It's going to look so much better when it's done. But she did come out. She attempted all the quads. And she did come away with the win. She scored 216.8 points, which is such a high score for women's skating, but I would love to see her maybe just go out, do the one quad she knows she can, and then not try to land all those other quads and just put down a good skate. Do I think she'll do that? No, because I think she, she wants to land those quads. She wants it really bad. Um, and then between the two programs, there were... I think three Korean women skaters total and they took second and third at the autumn classic. And also a Korean skater took second at the women's competition in the U S figure skating classic. So definitely we'll be looking at those Korean skaters and such an inspiration for them is Yuna Kim, who was a big name in the sport for many years. You can bet that they're still being inspired by her today. And it'll be interesting to see if South Korea can get another skater that's, like, really competitive internationally. They're always in the mix, but Russia and Japan really have been at the highest point as of late, as of, like, the past Olympic cycle. So that is pretty much it for what happened in figure skating this week. Like I said, it was quite a bit with those two competitions. A lot of US skaters were skating and then just a lot of international competition there. And next week's going to be even crazier with the Nebelhorn Trophy and we'll definitely be dis- be discussing that next week because I'm I'm very excited. But now, let's transition into this week's actual sport that I am going to be talking about and that is cross-country skiing. So I'm going to start off by telling you a little bit about the history of the sport. It's one of the original Olympic events. It was first competed. And again, I've got another French word here, so I'm going to destroy it with my pronunciation. But it was first competed at the (laughs) Chamonix. I know that's wrong, but that's how it looks. So that's how I'm going to say it shamanics um olympics in 1924 at those at those games there were only two events that were competed it was the men's 50 kilometer and 18 kilometer and norway swept the podium in the 50 kilometer and took gold and silver in the 18 kilometer in that olympics the sport itself has its origins in norway and the, f- this form of skiing was used for travel, hunting, and maintaining social contact between isolated communities. So it actually came from just people like having to do it out of necessity, and then it became a sport afterwards. And it was separated from the Nordic Combined, which is another sport that has also competed in the Olympics, But it was separated from that to be its own event at the Holm. Oh my gosh, this is a Norwegian word, Hall Holmenkollen Ski Festival in 1901, and that is the origin. Now, I have discussed a lot in its history, uh, Norway and it being won by Norwegians a lot, and getting its origins from Norway. Just get used to that. You're going to be hearing about Norway a lot today. And I'm just going to throw it out there because I think it's kind of fun. I have Norwegian ancestry. Um, My great-grandparents, or I guess my great-great-grandparents came from Norway. So that's cool. So I feel I have a special connection to cross-country skiing. But... That is the history. I'm going to take a little break now. And then we are going to dive in to the events and techniques and rules. And you're really going to have to stick with me because I will be throwing so much information your way. So be sure to stay to hear all of that.
0: Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. The shocking
1: statistics are that one in five people in Boone County lives in poverty. Even worse, approximately 250 Columbia children are homeless. The Heart of Missouri United Way fights for solutions to improve lives by supporting 33 local organizations that strengthen the health, education, basic needs, and financial stability of our community. Join the fight today and live united. By making your gift at slash donate
0: I want my teenage son to be thinking how to deal with life's stresses and natural changes. I want to know how to talk to him about things he'll experience as he builds relationships. I want him to know I'm there for him. I just don't know how here is a resource that can get you started connect with me activity cards have been developed to help begin the discussions visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources a message from the missouri department of health and senior services the missouri army national guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station.
1: Welcome back to the gold standard on KCOU bringing back the Beatles again this week last week I think my first song was the Beatles I think I started off with them and I talked a little bit about how I really enjoy the Beatles sometimes I just get like on a binge where I'm I'll just listen to the Beatles for a little bit Last year, I remember if you're on Spotify, they have like this is and then an artist playlists where it's just a lot of their music. And I would just like listen to the this is the Beatles playlist all day. And I might do it again today because now I'm thinking about it. But where we left off before the break was the history of cross country skiing. Now we're going to move into more of discussing just the sport itself, how it works and that kind of stuff. So to start you off, like I said, I will be just throwing information your way, but I hopefully I'll, I'll be able to explain it well. So first off, the events. When I started looking up cross-country skiing, I thought that it was going to be two events. I thought that it was going to be a men's event and a women's event. I was incorrect. So there, there's 12 events, and it's like the same event. There's really six, and then they're each competed in the, for the men and the women. So for the men, there's the 15-kilometer classic, 15-kilometer by 15-kilometer skiathlon, sprint-free team sprint classic, 4-by-10-kilometer relay, 50-kilometer mass start free. And then for the women... It's the same stuff, but the distances are shorter. So it's the 10 kilometer classic, the 7.5 kilometer by 7.5 kilometer skiathlon, sprint free, team sprint classic, 4x5 relay, and the 30 kilometer mass start free. So for the skating, there are two different techniques. And for those events, they they all pretty much all of them either say classic or free. And that's actually the technique for the skiing style. So the first technique is the classic. And in this technique, they move back and forth in a parallel motion. And then the toe and the heel of the person's foot are attached to the skate. And they like start with a running motion and then use their arms to propel them forward And I was watching, like, both of the techniques this week to try to be able to visualize it and explain it better. And watching this one made me giggle because the form is kind of funny. Just the way they're just, like, on these tracks. And so their feet aren't really moving that much. It's just, like, all upper arm. Like, they're just moving their upper body forward and like digging the skis into the ground and like pushing themselves forward. I don't know. It was kind of funny to watch because I was just like, it seems so inefficient to just like be using your arms to move you forward when you're skiing. But I guess that's why they do it because it's more difficult. And then the other motion is the free And that is only the toe of the foot is secured to the ski and then they move their feet from side to side. And it's a lot faster than the classic, which I'm sure you're shocked because no, you're not. It seems like that would be so much faster. And this motion's like what I think of when I think of what the classic skiing motion would be. It's because it's the form I'm most familiar with seeing. It's the one where they're like, moving their skis out and then like kind of using their feet more and their arms not less. They're using it less than they would in the classic. And so just like watching the classic was really interesting because it's not – it wasn't what I thought of when I thought of skiing, but the free was. And then the rules – there's not like a ton of – really strict rules there's just different events however there are a couple rules and during the events officials spread out across the course to look for violations of these rules so one of them is if there's track so like the track is like a divot in the snow where like they just position their skis in it and that's they go along that So if there's a track on a corner, racers have to stay in the track using the classic technique. Um, And then if they're not, they get um, a violation. And then the other big rule is if a racer repeatedly changes tracks, especially on hills, they're given a violation. So that's just like they have these tracks and then there's a couple sets of them and the the only way to pass each other is to, like, leave the tracks and move to a different set of tracks. But if they do that too many times, then they will get a violation. And if a skier is given two violations, they get disqualified from the race that they're in. That's, like, the rules, I would say. But there are different... Um, different structure to the different events. So I, I wouldn't really say it's rules, it's just different structure. So the first event that we'll be talking about is the um, classic, <laughs> and for men it's 15 kilometers, and for women it's 10. They do the classic style for their technique. And this event has a staggered start which means one skater, sorry, one skier begins every 30 seconds. My mind's always in figure skating mode, so I, I wrote that down in my notes, and that's just incorrect. One skier begins every 30 seconds. Um, the skier with the best time wins, not the one that crosses the finish line first, because they do have that staggered start. It's based on time and not who's crossing the finish line first. For the men, it usually takes about 40 minutes to complete the race, and for women, it usually takes around 30 minutes. Next event, the skiathlon, and this one has, I got to look back at my notes, (laughs) oh, right, I was going to tell you what style, but actually use both in the skiathlon. So the skiathlon's done in two stages. And the first stage is done with the classic technique. And then skiers change their technique to the freestyle at a transition area. So they actually do both techniques in this. And yeah, for the men, each stage is 15 kilometers. And for the women, each stage is 7.5 kilometers. Then, next event we're talking about... I'm just trying to run through these quick so that I don't just completely bore you with what each event is. (laughs) Um, So the next event is the Sprint Free, and it's a 1.4-kilometer course for men and a 1.2-kilometer course for women. It's set up like a track meet. There is a qualifying round, and then the top 30 finishers make it to the quarterfinals, And then the top two finishers from each heat go into a semifinal and then the finals. And then that's how it's set up. And it's just, it's the freestyle because it's the sprint free. And so just as fast as they can, they make it through the track. And obviously in this one, it's um, fastest time, first one to cross. Then the team sprint classic, this one. Is team as it says in the name so this one has two skiers and each skier skis six laps around the sprint course two laps at a time so after two laps they switch and then they switch again and each one of them has to ski six laps and the first team to cross the finish line wins and then there is the relay and in this it's another team competition so each team has four members The race has a mass start, which means the first skier to cross the finish line wins because they all start at the same time. And the first two legs of the race are done with the classic technique, and then the second two legs, the freestyle technique, is used. And then the last event is the mass start free. It is the longest cross-country skiing event at the Games, Everyone starts at the same time, and then the first one to cross the finish line wins. And these events, the mass start, often have close finishes. So at, like, the end of the race, a lot of people will want to watch because it goes down to the wire. And so um, even if you're not going to sit there and watch the entire mass start race definitely tune in for the end to catch that nice, nice close ending because, um, for the men, this event is 50 kilometers and for the women it's 30. So, I mean, if you want to watch the whole thing, absolutely go for it. More power to you. But if you don't just make sure you tune in for the end of that one. So now that is, that's the events. That's what you need to know about them. there's, six events for the men six for the women and those that's a little explanation of each of them now we're going to transition again we are going to talk about the 2018 pyeongchang olympics and i'm i'll i'll be honest with you i don't think i watched cross-country skiing in the last olympics i can't remember i remember i watched the ski jump I don't think I watched cross country skiing. So, all of this information was researched and none of it is from memory. So, one big thing that happened that's pretty interesting is that the US women won gold for the first time in the relay. Which that's exciting. It's always exciting when the US wins gold in something for the first time. I remember watching the Summer Olympics this year, and I was watching in my apartment with my roommate and good friend, and we were watching the fencing foil, and the US was going for the gold. And we were listening and we found out that the US had never won gold in foil fencing. And did either of us care about fencing going in? Absolutely not. Well, not really, but... We both got so into it because I was like, we have to get our first one. The U.S. has to get their first gold medal in fencing. It's, it's just got to happen. And then also, I watched the women's volleyball team. It was like one of the last events of the Olympics. The U.S. like needed a gold to beat China in the medal count. And the U.S. was playing in the gold medal game for volleyball and the game started pretty late it was at like eleven thirty, 30 but I was like I'm gonna stay up and watch it because it's one of the last events and I I've loved watching this whole Olympics and then also they were going for like their first Olympic gold medal and I was like okay okay I'm gonna stay up and watch it so I stayed up until like one thirty in the morning and I watched the whole game. It was really good. The U.S. played really well, and they ended up winning the first gold medal for um, U.S. women's volleyball. And it's, it's just so exciting to watch that and be like, wow, it's the first one ever. Well, that's what happened here. Um, it was in the team sprint, and um, it was a battle. To the end, to the very, very end, between the U.S., Sweden, and Norway. Like I said, just get used to it being Norway, that the battle is between for gold. Um, So for the U.S., it was Jessica Diggins and Kicken Randall. Um, They finished the race in um, 15.56.47. And they were 19 hundredths of a second in front of Sweden. So, like, when I say it was down to the wire, it was, like, all the way down to the wire. They barely pulled ahead of Sweden. Um, but, like, that's really exciting. I don't know that the U.S. Um, is great at the cross-country skiing events, um. I mean, it typically is very heavy on the podium for Nordic countries. Like I said, Norway and Sweden were in the running for this one. And that's just kind of typically how it is. But very exciting for the U.S. to be able to like actually get in there and take the gold in 2018. And I'm really competitive so even when it comes to the Olympics, when I'm watching, I'm like the U.S., they need to win gold always, always and forever. They need to win the medal count because that's just that's the competitive drive in me talking. But very, very exciting for the U.S. there. Um, And then, like I said, in 2018, Nordic countries were just all over the podium just all the time. But the one maybe the biggest name in cross country skiing, at least for the women, was <laughs> Oh my gosh. I should start looking up how to pronounce names before I come on here and try to pronounce them. I really thought in my head I was like, "Oh, I it's Norwegian. I'll be able to say it." No. Just because my great-great-grandparents are from Norway apparently doesn't mean I can pronounce things in Norwegian. My bad. But it's Marit Borhin. I think Borhin's probably right. I feel like that one's good. So I'm not going to try to say her first name again. But in that same relay, Norway's Boren won her 14th olympic medal which made her the winningest winter olympian of all time which that's kind of crazy that's kind of cool but then she ended up winning another medal in her last event of the 2018 pyeongchang olympics so she finished that olympics with 15 total medals and then she retired (laughs) Yes, she retired after the 2018 Olympics. Kind of sad. So if you're looking forward to seeing her in Beijing, I I hate to break the news to you, but she won't be there. But she seems happy based on an article I read from the Olympics website she was talking about how she just liked, apparently she has a child and she just likes being home with her child and kind of chilling. But in her career, she won eight gold medals, four silvers, and three bronzes. So when she was winning, she was winning. Like most of her medals are gold. So very, very good at her skill. Um, She... I don't know how the age thing works in cross-country skiing. It's definitely different from figure skating because during the Pyeongchang Olympics, she was a month away from turning 40. And you don't make it... Well, not, not like you die, but you don't make it to 40 in figure skating, at least, like, competing at the senior level. They do have other, like competitions that are for people who aren't competing at like the senior level anymore. There's like adult competitions. Anyways, before I get too sidetracked on that, let's go back to cross-country skiing. So yeah, she turned 40 right after the Pyeongchang Olympics and she hung up her skis and said that she was done. And in the article I read from the Olympics website I pulled a quote from her that I liked. Um, She said, I love my life now. I have a more normal life now. Of course, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm the most successful Winter Olympian of all time. I have a family. I focus on that. Of course, everyone knows me, but I think the new generation is coming up, so they are finding new models to look up to. I still have a big name in Norway for sure, but life is still the same. And... I just, I liked that quote because it kind of made me laugh just because she was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just living my life, going through my day to day. I mean, am I super famous and popular? Sure. But, you know, that doesn't affect me. It's kind of like a humble brag. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like super famous, but people will find other role models. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It just made me laugh. But that... Those were like two of the biggest storylines from the 2018 Olympics. Big win for the U.S., big wins for Borhin of Norway. And now looking on to the next Olympics, there's going to be room for new people to step up in the sport with that retirement. But before we get too far or at all into Beijing, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back.
0: always like you see on TV. You can help the young people in your life work through the drama by engaging them in conversations about healthy relationships. Use Connect With Me activity cards to start discussions on this subject and other topics that matter to teens. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Life can be dramatic. But day-to-day relationships aren't always like you see on TV. You can help the young people in your life work through the drama by engaging them in conversations about healthy relationships. Use Connect with Me activity cards to start discussions on this subject and other topics that matter to teens. Visit health.mo.gov slash connect to access these free cards and resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. When In your eyes, I'll them all. Last year, four million people graduated from Red Cross classes. One of them could save your life. Join them. Young people from all walks of life have volunteered to take part in a frightening experiment. They are allowing their brains to be altered. Altered to induce paranoia, heart malfunction, memory loss, even early senility. Unfortunately, this is not an experiment. It's what slowly happens to you when you keep smoking pot. No one has to alter your brain. You've already volunteered to do it to yourself.
1: Welcome back to the gold standard. Now we're going to be moving straight into Beijing. What's happening there? Um, Let's start off simply with Team USA. So for Team USA, they've already kind of started nominating people to take the spots for Team USA at Beijing. The way they do this And I'm going to read straight from what they say. Um, Objective selections shall be based on the results achieved by athletes in the World Cup competitions held on or between November 27, 2020 and March 21, 2021. And on the world ranking as determined by the FIS point list of 2020 to 2021 season. So it's based off the World Cup, basically. (laughs) Um, but the U.S. has already announced um, some of their selections. Well, I guess all of their selections for the nominations. And what was interesting is they nominated a lot of people who aren't just like their A team because they're split into different teams. So um, the team is highlighted by experienced skaters who've done the World Cup, World Championship, and Olympics in the past, including Jesse Diggins, our our girl who was part of the team that won the relay, the first gold medal in the relay. Also two-time World Cup winner, Rosie Brennan, and the 2020 FIS Junior World Championship double gold medalist, Gus Schumacher. So there definitely are some, you know, really experienced skaters that are in these nominations. But they also have people who are coming from the development team. And actually, Schumacher, two years ago, was on the development team. And then he moved from the B team up to the A team after he had a breakout season that included more than a dozen top 30 World Cup results. So he kind of went wild. And so he moved up to the A team and he is one of the nominations. And then they also have some nominations from their B team and then also the developmental team. So I'm pretty interested to see who like actually gets selected for the team. The athletes that were nominated are invited to a training camp, and that happened in May in Oregon. And then they have team training camps that happened at the end of July through early August. And then um, they have some more that are like coming up really soon. There's one in October, at the beginning of October, that's taking place in Utah. And then their World Cup season starts at the end of November. And then they'll take the Olympic team to Beijing, which is in February. So, yes. Is there a team selected yet? No. Are the nominations done? Yes. Player, not, I don't even know. Players, you you don't really play skiing. Competitors, competitors to watch. I would definitely say keep an eye on those (laughs) A-team, those A-team, competitors definitely Jesse Diggins after that last Olympics and then Gus Schumacher for the men would be my pick for someone to watch with how well he's been doing recently and just the way he kind of shot up in the ranks for the U.S. all right so overall just like in total what should you be watching for Beijing and for that I would say Keep your eye on Norway. Oh, are you surprised? Are you surprised that you should keep your eye on Norway? Um, they just, like, constantly are on the podiums. They're, they're just really good. What else can you say? They're simply really good. Um, and they did well at the FIS Nordic World Ski Championships. So it looks like they're just going to keep being at the top of the podium. Um one competitor for the men t- that you could keep your eye out for is triple Olympic gold medalist oh another good old Norwegian name, Johannes Hosflot Klebo or something like that. Um he won A sprint, the 4x10 kilometer relay, and the team sprint in Pyeongchang. So, like, three out of the six events. So, he's really good. Um, And then he followed that up by winning gold in all three events at the 2019 World Championships and the 2021 World Championships. So, he's, like, crazy good. And he's from Norway, so we're not shocked. Um, He holds multiple records in the sport, including being the youngest male in history to win the FIS Cross Country World Cup. Crazy, right? (laughs) Um, And then, like, I could tell you probably five or six athletes from Norway to keep an eye on. Um, Another one, though, for the men would be (laughs) Kruger. That's his last name. We're going to stick with that. Kruger. Um, He won gold alongside Claybo in Pyeongchang as a member of the 4x10 kilometer relay. So keep an eye out for him. He also picked up two silvers in the 15 kilometer freestyle and 30 kilometer skiathlon at the 2021 World Championships. So that's That's some people you should watch in the men. And then you can't forget our U.S. competitor, Gus Schumacher. Also keep your eye out for him. The Norwegians, Gus Schumacher. Yes. And then, like I said, Borheim is retired. So now there's room for other competitors from, you know, maybe not just Norway, but definitely Norway to step up. In some cross country skiing. And yeah, among those is three time Olympic medalist. Oh, I feel bad about the names now. There's like a lot more names that I don't know how to pronounce this week because last week I talked about figure skating. And because I watch it, I know how to pronounce a lot of those names because I've heard people say them. And now I've just been reading about skiing. So, <laughs> it's just a lot more of me guessing, and I don't know that I'm doing well. So, but stepping up for Norway could be Therese Johaug. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a three-time Olympic medalist. She won gold in the fifteen-kilometer skiathlon, ten-kilometer freestyle, and four-by-five-kilometer relay. And the 30-kilometer mass start at the 2021 World Championships. So based on that, we can assume that she is going to be super competitive. And you should keep an eye out for her. And you'll have to just hope you can remember what I said that name as. And then guess and be like, that seems like what she was trying to say. When it's said by people who did their research on how to pronounce names. I'll be really good at it next week. Don't don't worry about it. Um. Yeah, Norway's just going to be a powerhouse as they are. I feel like I'm really driving that into the ground. But once you start doing some research, <laughs> not that I think all of you now are going to go out and do research on cross-country skiing. I really don't think that. But if you are you're just going to quickly realize that this sport is just dominated by Norway. And it's like, it's definitely their thing. They're very good at it. And I mean, just like doing the research and reading about, you know, Borhens leaving the sport, but the next person up is also from Norway and probably the person after that. And then you have like, this team from the U.S., that's good, and they are competitive. But, I mean, they won the gold last time. It'd be cool to see them do it again. But can they come out and beat this force from Norway? It's going to be tough. I mean, they, I as much as you want to give them credit where credit's due, they did win that gold medal in the last Olympics. It was by a 19th of a second. Like, they're going to have to come out and really, really put in the work. Of course, that was over Sweden, but I mean, just all in all, to beat the Nordic countries, if you're not from them from there, you really have to put in the extra effort because they're the people that are all over the podiums, and especially Norway. Norway's just all over these podiums. Um yeah. So Just keeping your eye out for that is going to be a big thing. And then see who from the U.S. can step up to the challenge will definitely be interesting. So I think that's going to be all from me for this week. If (laughs) I was going to say, like, I'll give you a takeaway from this whole thing. But if your takeaway is anything other than, I'll be watching Norway do some cross-country skiing, and also that Kara will mix up skating and skiing every time she talks about skiing. And I will have to talk about skiing again because there's several other skiing events. I, were you even listening? No, <laughs> probably not. But I'll give you I'll give you a little preview for next week since I'm here. Um, my plan for next week is to talk about bobsledding. So hopefully that's what happens, but that is something that you can look forward to. Thank you so much for tuning in to the gold standard on KCOU for my second week doing this. Hopefully my format will continue to get better. And, you know, as things go on, as the weeks go on, we'll definitely get more comfortable, and I will start pronouncing names like I am fluent in other languages. But yes, thank you so much, and I will see you next week.